Hi, podcast listeners, and welcome to the 26th of March, 2021 Hong Kong Stories podcast. I'm Rachel Smith. Have you ever been to one of our workshops? We invite members of the public, yes, that is people like you, to come and tell us a story, any story you like. If you come to a workshop, then this should sound familiar. But if you haven't, then this conversation between regular host and organizer Jen and I can give you a taste of what it sounds like. Before we get to today's podcast, though, a huge hug goes out to our loyal Hong Kong audience. We are so blessed, so blessed that our next live performance scheduled for 1st of April at the Fringe Club's already sold out. Thanks, Hong Kong. Worldwide greetings go out as well, particularly this week to listeners in Norwich in the UK, East Setaukut in New York in the USA, and Riyadh in Saudi Arabia. Thanks for letting our stories into your ears. And we have a live show, yay, on April 1st, but tickets are sold out, boo. But we have another opportunity for you to get involved with our podcast this time. On April 15th and 16th, Hong Kong Podcast Live will feature your favorite English language podcasters on stage for a mini version of their podcasts. Hong Kong Stories will be joining on the 16th of April. Tickets will be available soon on Ticketflap. Featured podcasts include hashtag impact, across the pond, in the changing room, Hong Kong life, ho ho Hong Kong, Hong Kong stories, better in bed, over 40 wellness, interested, and sustainable Asia. Hong Kong stories, it's better than drama, it's better than comedy, it's real life. Now listen in to Jen and I workshopping my story about the nephew and the rat. So a lot of you who tune in uh, to listen to our stories know what the stories sound like, but what you might not know if you've never been to one of our workshops is how did we get to that story? And what we normally do when we can get together with people and meet face-to-face is have workshops called Tell Any Story You Like. Uh, where a group of people just get together, share um, a memory or a, an anecdote, and give each other feedback on how to shape that into a story that could possibly be performed on stage. And for obvious reasons, we can't do that these days. So we are going to try and approximate that in this podcast um, so that if some of you are listening and thinking, well, I wonder if I could ever do this but you can't get to a workshop because we're not having them. At least you'll know what happens so that when we do have workshops again, we can just hit the ground running and you can be there on the first night knowing exactly what to expect. I'm so excited. So <laughs> Rachel's going to tell me a story that she's got in her head and I'm going to um, just throw some ideas around with her in the same way that we would when we meet with a group of people. Uh, the only thing that's really different about this is that it's just the two of us because we can't have groups of people gathering. Um, and normally we would have, you know, four or five people and everybody would share a story and everybody would give feedback. But this is like a mini version of that. I have to admit, some at some point my cat might join us. <laughs> Okay, well, you know. <laughs> she always has an opinion about something. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Okay, so um, I had this story in my head. It's not a complete story. Is that okay? Yes, yeah, you can uh, You can just tell me a thing that happened to you once and we can talk about how to make it a story. 
Okay, I've been thinking about this story for a little while, and I, 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 I'm not sure how it starts exactly. But what the um, real crux of this story for me is that I had to teach a class at a local secondary school, at an international local secondary so a school in Hong Kong, okay. but um, an international school in Hong Kong. And um, the school is, for good reason, quite fussy about who comes onto their campus. But I had my nephew with me, who was 14 at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, he doesn't know Hong Kong very well. He was just visiting. I was super excited to have him here. Right. First time any family members have visited me in Hong Kong for, oh, at least seven or eight years now. And so I'm so excited to have him here. And I've got to teach this one class that I, I, I can't really cancel. Okay. So I've committed to it a long time ago. And um, so I've got this 14 year old I can't but he doesn't know Hong Kong and I I mean I don't really want to just leave him somewhere right so I thought I might leave him in the shopping mall so we could just go to McDonald's and walk around because he has a mobile (laughs) phone that's all he needs right (laughs) but you know he's a country boy not a city boy and I'm pretty nervous about this and then something happened before that that I I don't really want to get into but um, I didn't feel comfortable leaving him by himself in the shopping mall so instead, I thought, okay, I'm going to have to bring him to school. Okay. All right. So we arrive at the school, and I'm really nervous about, what, are they going to let him in? Are they going to make him sit outside for an hour? It's actually only one hour. I might have said two hours before. It's only one hour class. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm, you know, I'm, I've got to teach this class, so it takes up all of my attention. And so I say to him, when you go in, you just go and sit in the cafeteria, which is on kind of the ground floor. So it's not really in the school. It's kind of in the school, but not really. And they've got a bit of a tuck shop. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So he goes and sits in this cafeteria and that's fine. Um, So that first anxiety is finished with. But I'm upstairs teaching this class now. And he's downstairs having a drink in the cafeteria and having a couple sandwiches. Okay. And I'm teaching these secondary school students some art classes and there's a lot of attention that I need to pay to it. There's a lot of like fussy little bits here and there. But I'm also trying to be aware that every couple of, you know, every 15 minutes or so, I want to check in on him. Are you okay? So 15 minutes in, I check on him. You know, I say, are you okay? Um, uh, is everything all right? And he texts it back. You know, he's 14. So he texts back, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's fine. <laughs> So, so far, everything's okay, right? And I'm feeling pretty good. And half an hour into it, my class, I text him, you okay? And I'm not, the kids aren't supposed to use their mobile phones in class, so I'm kind of trying to do it surreptitiously on the side, right? And 45 minutes in, I text him, are you okay? And he texts back, there's a rat (laughs) in the cafeteria. (laughs) Now, I grew up in the countryside. My nephew grows up in the countryside. He's totally cool with animals. He's like, he's the kid who caught all the bugs when, we were, when he was little, you know. And um, so he doesn't seem very excited, but I know he, we're in a city. This is a school. We're not expecting a rat. So I text back, are you okay? And he says, yes. People are trying to catch it. Okay. And then my attention's <laughs> taken back with the class again, and I've got to, Okay. Um, you know, I've got to pay attention to what's happening. And so he, I kind of, at, 
I'm I'm always trying to fit in these text messages, but trying to get conversation out of this 14-year-old kid is like, there's a rat. Can you tell me more information or do I need to ask you the questions and you're just going to give me a one-word answer, right? Okay. I, I know you deal with teenagers a lot, so this is typical, mm. but I am I am only an auntie. <laughs> and so my my coping skills are not great at this point in time. And I'm just like, like, is everything okay? You know, are people going to come up to him and say, what are you doing in here? Why are you here? Uh, you know, what's your business here? So, okay. We're at the stage as a rat. People are chasing it. And then the t- next time I write to him. So we're, you know, about 10 minutes before my class finishes. Are you okay? Question mark. Yes, I caught the rat. <laughs> and, uh, and I just, uh, question mark, question mark, you know, surprised face. And I look again as my phone sort of vibrates in my pocket and it says, it's okay. I washed my hands. <laughs> like as if that okay. somehow makes it okay. all right somehow. And then a couple minutes later, and I, my phone vibrates again, and it says, it got away. And then they killed it. <laughs> and then I, my class finishes, and then I rush downstairs, and I get the whole story from him about how he was, you know, these adults were chasing this rat around and throwing utensils and trays at it. <laughs> And he just thought it was very stupid because they're adults and they should know better. It's not the way to catch a rat. And then it ran next to him and he pushed something aside to um, pick it up, uh, to, to trap it. And then he picked it up by the tail. And somebody came along and gave him a bucket. And he tried to explain to them that the rat will just jump out of the bucket. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. nobody paid any attention. Okay. So, so that was... That's the story that I have. Okay. And um, it's not a great story right now because there isn't very much form to it right now. I feel like it's just an anecdote of me panicking and this kid just being like, oh, well, you know. I mean, it is an amusing anecdote, but I do want to ask you some questions and get a little bit more information. Okay. And then tell you what uh, kind of occurred to me story-wise while I was listening to it. So um, you said this was your... 14-year-old cousin. Yes. He was visiting you by himself. Nephew. Uh, nephew, sorry, nephew. He was visiting him by visiting you by himself yes. in Hong Kong. Yes. Okay. That seems like a huge trip for a 14-year-old from rural Canada to make. Yeah. Yeah, it was a huge trip. I mean, I was really surprised when my sister said, you know, I'm going to let my son come and visit you. Um, and... Um, She'd come to visit me when she was a child, okay. and my mother had – our mother. I should say our mother. She's not just my mother. <laughs> so not that kind of a family. Okay. Yeah. All right. Our mother had allowed her to come and visit, and she said it was just the best trip ever. And so she was like, I want my son to experience this. I want him to have that experience as well. How old was your sister when she came over? I think she was 11 or 12. So is there a Maybe big age 13. gap between you guys? Yeah. Ah, yeah. okay. There's All a right. big age gap between okay. us. 
Which seems to be getting smaller these days, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's because you've stopped aging. You've been 39 for the last 10 years. Yeah, obviously, okay. obviously. Yes. Okay. Uh, so he so he wants to be coming over. Yes. Okay. Yes. And he, he, he's, he's a really great kid. Like he's a really self-sufficient, really self-contained. You know, when he gets in trouble, he will ask mm-hmm. questions. And he, he speaks with adults really well. Like he's not intimidated by adults. So, so she wasn't very worried about him coming over. But So he was an unaccompanied minor um, and uh, we had to have that kind of status on the plane. And, you know, there was a little bit of anxiety about him landing and then finding me. But it was it's Hong sure. Kong, so it's all easy, right? right it was super right. easy. And while he was here, he was also pretty awesome. Like he would go out by himself quite a bit. But okay. I also like the place there, the school is, is a district we hadn't been to before. It's nowhere near where he'd already been around. And I mean, there are places in Hong Kong where if you don't speak a word of Chinese, it doesn't matter because everything's English. Mm. Like if you're in the middle of central, it doesn't matter. But you come out to say Tai Po. Yeah. And if you don't know any English, you're not going to be able to get around. So, yeah. So that would depend. I think that might be good background for the beginning to kind of set up okay. the district. The district. Yeah, and explain why, um, you know, you, you're only teaching for an hour. I got the impression, maybe this is wrong, that you were going to be going out and doing stuff together afterwards. Yes, yes. We were on our way to do something okay. more interesting. Okay. And it, this was a teaching. It was after school art classes, so it's sort of like 3.15. Uh, yeah. okay. okay. So it's right in the middle of the day. We were out a little bit during the morning. Um, we'd done a few things already, and we're kind of en route, and I'm like, okay. I'll just stop off here and... And you just want him to tag along because it's not a district where a kid – and there are places also where, as a tourist, you wouldn't hang out yeah. uh, in Hong Kong. So that's, yeah. that would make sense. Okay, and, and I can't exactly, like, leave him at home because it's a good 45 minutes to go back home. And I can't get him to meet me because it's too complicated. Yeah, I don't even think you need to get into that much okay. detail. That's why I was trying to get a sense of kind of what was going on because you your beginning or intro to the story can be much more efficient, right? Right. Like you can just say – uh, he's visiting me. It's the first time we've been out doing stuff all day, but I teach these part-time classes. You know, I had a class that I just couldn't cancel. Was take, so I had to take him with me. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you did say it was an international school. Yes. Um, and then you said you weren't sure if they would let him in. And then you didn't tell us anything about the process to get him in. Oh, right, so right, some right. some details about kind of just, so how did you get him in? And it must have been okay for him just to sit in the, the cafeteria. Yeah, it, it clearly was. And I mean, he's obviously as well, he's obviously a child. So like right. a, he's a he's a man child, but he's still yeah. a, a child, you know, he's, mm. and, and um, so obviously the school doesn't go, oh, what's this strange you know, 40-something-year-old man no, doing yeah, here. Yeah, 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 yeah. They've gone, oh, it's a 14-year-old kid. So the other question I thought of was, why didn't he just go in and help you with the class? Why couldn't he have been your teaching assistant? Uh, now, that, I think, would have been a bit too far for me because this school has quite stringent measures about who does come in and strangers okay. coming in. Okay. So the cafeteria is kind of a public area. I know that parents, helpers, everybody can go to the cafeteria and okay. hang out. But going up to the classroom involves a lot of security. You know, you're wearing your badge. You're wearing your... Okay. So I think that needs to be explained. Okay. Um, and I think in, you don't have to give too much detail about kind of the locations and stuff within the school because I think even... 
you know, Hong Kong, people who are not, haven't been into a school in Hong Kong, a school is a school. And if mm-hmm. you just say there's, you know, a place where the canteen is. Now, I'm, what I'd want to know knowing Hong Kong schools is, is this an indoor canteen or an outdoor canteen? It's kind of, it, it's an indoor canteen, but a lot of it is very, very open. And it's on kind of the main floor. So, so it's, as you it's walk up in this floor or it's in ground floor. It's it's up a set of stairs, but it's kind of it's not it's not open like a like a local school would be open. Right, okay. It's it's enclosed, but it's also like a giant space. Right, and okay. there's like a like a cafeteria. But yeah. But there's four walls enclosing it. There's four walls enclosing it in, but there's a lot of walkways around it and things like that as well. And a lot of those open up to the outside and those doors are sometimes left open. Okay. Right. Okay. Because there's ingress and egress of students. So there's often right. a security guard there. Or some tape to stop you from coming, but then maybe they'll let the doors open to let the air flow or okay, something like that. Okay. So, so I guess you don't want to don't need to give too much detail, but just to explain, you know, you must have had to to introduce him to a security guard or something. Yeah, yeah, and to get him into the building and then say, can he just wait in the canteen and then just tidy that up? So he's waiting in the canteen. He's got his phone, and you've just got an hour to teach, <laughs> um, and then you can. <laughs> So I just keep thinking. All I could think of is my sister's gonna kill me. <laughs> when when he was dealing with the rat. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, okay, so that you can add to what's going on in your head when you're texting back and forth with him. Okay. But I think maybe you need a better rhythm for that part of the story. Because okay. it was kind of repetitive. And you're only in there for an hour, so there's only so much texting back and mm. forth that you could have been doing with him. So you might want to say, you know, I got the class set up, and then I sent him a text message. Are you okay? Mm-hmm. Typical teenager. Yes. Okay. So I carry on with the class. 15 minutes later, are you okay? Yes. Great. Okay, good. <laughs> More information. And then are you okay? And then the third time it could be there's a rat. Okay, now things are starting to kick off, right? <laughs> okay, so like now I need I, you can stop being a typical teenager because I need more information from you, right? So that's where you can get okay. into it. Like I need the more info. Um, and it was it there were t- the two messages came together. There's a rat. People are trying to catch it, mm. right? Mm. Okay. Shortly after one another, because there was yeah. the there's a rat, and then I had a moment of like. Okay, well, that should be all right. Like, he's not going to be freaked out by that. Right. And then people are trying to catch it. That should be okay. Someone's dealing with it. It's fine. Adults are in he's, control. He's, he's entertained, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So then you text him again. Is it going okay? I caught the rat. Yeah. Right? So I think you don't have to give us so much um, – your anxiety about trying to get information out of this kid, just mm. give us that, you know, like I go back to the class, but I'm very curious, is everything okay? So I text him again and, you know, I caught, I caught the rat, you know? Um, and then it's okay. I washed my hands. And like, then, why is that? And then, see, I think at that point, why we does said, that make I, it okay? I caught the rat. Now my sister's going to kill me, mm. you know, <laughs> he's come all the way to Hong Kong. And I think here's what I thought as a structure for the story, I don't know why, but I just thought you you said he was he was from the country, and I was thinking country mouse, city mouse kind of story. Mm. And then there's an actual well, not a mouse, but a rat <laughs> involved in this story. Um, 
you might, I don't know, like, I mean, did, did he grow up, I know you grew up in a, on a farm, so mm-hmm. did he grow up on a farm as well? Uh, for all practical purposes, yeah. Okay, so this is not much. his, I mean, obviously not his first round. He wasn't shy about going up and no. grabbing it by the tail. No, in fact, there's a little amendment to the end of the story, which is mm. that they killed this rat by basically throwing something at it, stunning it, and then stepping on it. Oh. And he was... He was like he was really upset by sure. not necessarily that by but by the idea that they wouldn't have just taken the rat outside and let it go because that's what he would have done. Uh, he thought when he got it in the bucket they were okay. going to just let it go. Right. Okay. But it's a city, you know. We don't let rats People, go. Yeah. <laughs> not like a country rat. Uh, I was. I mean, when they said when you said killed it, I had like I thought there were going to be choppers involved here. Like, yeah. I no. I'm. It was. It wasn't a particularly good death. There was a tray put onto it, and then right, somebody and jumped, then jumped on it, on it yeah. until it was dead. Oh. So, and okay. he was really like he was disgusted by the animal cruelty involved. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, that's I think an interesting element of it as well. <laughs> like to, to throw in. I mean, you can say, you know, you weren't worried about him being horrified by the rat. Um, But I also didn't expect him to be as horrified as he was, although it was very cruel. I have a very different perspective of rats having lived in the city than I did when I was in the countryside. I don't think you particularly like them in the countryside either, do you? Like, No, not by any means, but... First of all, we'd rarely see rats. We'd see mice. Mm, 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 mm. And our policy with mice in the farmhouse, which we caught a lot in the wintertime, would be a catch and release sort of situation. Okay. However, okay. you know, it was probably freezing cold outside, so they probably died anyway. But that's getting on to a whole new story. But no, I think that is where you say, oh, my sister's going to kill me. And then you might give a little background at okay. that point just to set up then the, the discussion later of, of his reaction. Okay. So you can say, my sister's going to kill me, but it shouldn't be such a big deal. I mean, we didn't see a lot of rats, but we used to see mice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we pretty much did the same thing. We'd catch them and let them go. So he's he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Class is over in 10 minutes. And, I, and then you go down and you're interacting with him. I guess that's when you get the story, mm-hmm. right, yeah. about what's happened. Yeah. Where did you go afterwards? What What did you guys do after? I think we went and had, I think we went and ate. Okay. Yeah. I mean, after all, he's a teenage boy. You have to <laughs> ingest food in them a lot. Right. <laughs> and just like. It had been an hour since his last meal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you just yeah. keep, as far as I can understand, you just keep feeding them and they get bigger. Mm. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm not an expert so, on this, but. So, okay. So you went to eat. And and then you were talking over. Yeah. So I think you could that could be part of the story. Okay. And and during the talking over, we did there was a little bit of a so are you gonna tell your mom? <laughs> That's fine. That calls back your kind of your worry that you had. I'm also thinking the whole per- point of taking him into the school with you mm-hmm. was to keep him safe. <laughs> True, And true. yet he's had this traumatizing experience so that you could, you know, develop the irony of that a little bit in the story, you know, to say, you know, he'll be fine. He'll be, you make that point maybe at the very beginning, you know, this is fine. He'll just be here in the cafeteria. It'll be mm. no big deal. You know, I don't want to leave him out, you know, because I don't want to get lost or anything. This will be great. He'll be totally safe. And then you discovered that he wasn't totally safe. Absolutely. Day, right? But that's a really good thread. I mean, I like that because we're always in, in the storytelling workshops. 
we're always looking for a way of finding that core meaning to the story. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you're right there. I think that's the real crux of the story is the I, I brought him with me because I thought it was the safe, responsible thing to do. And it turned out to yeah. be the traumatizing thing to do. And he probably would have been better just sitting at McDonald's for an hour. So this this nephew, how old is he now? 16. Oh, this is just a couple of years ago. It was a couple happened. of years oh, ago, okay. yeah. So have you ever talked about this since? I'm just trying to think of a way to wrap this up. Or I'd like to, a way to end the story for you. So when I went back, the so he came in March and I went back in, in September that year, I think it was. Something like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, when I saw him by himself when his mother wasn't there, I'm like, so if you said anything to your mom? <laughs> Okay. You know, and he's like, yeah, she knows about it more or less. And I'm like, okay, so I don't have to like pretend I don't know anything. Like I want to make sure our stories okay. are straight, right? I don't want to get him in trouble. I don't want to get me in trouble. Right. Like, I'm never going to be allowed to take care of family members again. So that's coming up in the end of the story. I think there's something needs to be said at the beginning about the setup of him coming, the connection with your sister. Okay. And oh, she's cat attack again sorry <laughs> sorry listening audience um this does not happen at the starbucks <laughs> normally get the cats jumping out of you um maybe a barista but that's <laughs> she really funny. really wants to drink your water i know i'm holding on to it now i appreciate that because she's she's determined she's going to drink your yes. glass of water yes i know she's she gonna, has trying to establish dominance over me that's what it is <laughs> she has Lots of glasses of water all around the house, and she predominantly drinks out of the fishbowl anyway. Okay. All right. But um, apparently your water is more exciting. Water. Yeah. yeah. So. Okay. So um, the setup then with your sister mm-hmm. and your nephew coming over, and you might want to say something at the beginning about you're really excited to have him, but it's also a little, maybe a little nerve-wracking. Right, um, right. And kind of build up that idea of keeping him safe, right? Because, mm. um, you know, he's from he's from small town Canada. He doesn't, uh, you know, he doesn't really know the city and and city life maybe necessarily. And so we're going to keep – I'm going to keep him safe. I mean, it's going to yeah. be fine because he's going to be with me the whole time. He's never going to be off on his own. And that can then – And you give him – like on. I gave him a mobile phone. So there's a couple of times we kind of like left him in – a, a street in Causeway Bay and he had to make his way home, you know, but it's like two blocks away. I don't think you need to add that into the no, story. No, I don't I think, think I need to I add think that, that into the story. But that's the, maybe the thread that can be holding this story together, this idea of um, he, he, he's visiting you and you feel responsible for him. Mm-hmm. And so you're doing your best to take care of him. And so it's an interesting idea of um, you never know where – Sounds kind of grim. This is darker than I mean it to be, but you never know where danger is going to come from, mm, right? It's mm. like you can only plan so much. Um, and then so I think the end of the story needs to have something about you guys talking it over and him, you know, having his feelings. And then you're worried that now he's going to tell your sister and you're like, <laughs> you're never going to have any family come and visit or you're, you're going to be seen as untrustworthy or whatever the concern is about, you know, him his feelings, but we yeah. need to hear his feelings. At okay. The and then you could end it with, um, so you've always been a bit nervous about your sister, but your sister's reaction or whatever. And then you can, you know, two years later, when I saw him alone for the first time, the first thing I asked him was, you know, <laughs> does she know? So have you told your mom? 
Yeah. Right. Okay, that makes sense. So that we've got a we've got the um, general theme, which, as I said, we are usually looking for. But you know, I find it, and I, I do have to say this because we're both experienced storytellers, mm. and. I find it very difficult still to work on my own stories by myself. Like if you told me to go off and write your own story, I still find it incredibly valuable to be able to come and workshop with other people. I don't think there's ever a point, though, where you can just do your own story and finish it and wrap it up, you know, whatever, however many drafts all on your own. Like I don't, Mm. I think the whole point of the story is to communicate an experience and you need to practice that or draft it with somebody hearing it to get the feedback, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, I don't think there's a, I don't see that as like a level of storytelling. No, no, I'm I'm not trying to say that that would be a higher level, but um, I guess at some point, in some ways you kind of like assume that, well, you're an experienced storyteller, so maybe you don't need to do it as much. But I actually find I almost need to do it more um, now that I've had a lot of experience mm. because um, it there's so much in your head about the different ways that you could do things. And it, because it's your story and it's personal, I find it so much more valuable to workshop that because it, it takes the – Right. Takes the – it out of your head and and tells the audience uh, you're you're my audience and you're telling me what it is right, that you want right. to hear too. Well, and that's I mean maybe that's the thing that you get when you get more experienced is that you you become better realizing that the audience can't see what's in your head because that's mm. a kind of classic beginner mistake is to like to not describe what's happening around you and to just say what you thought at the time or something, you know, like, like not, not tell the story in a, in a clear way because you're not, you're not aware of the audience, not knowing what's going on in your head. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like I, like I, I'm just thinking of not just our workshops, but in teaching teenagers or kids how to write, you know, like they'll tell this story and it'll be like four things happened and there's so much they haven't told you that's going on in the story. And you're like, but, but so what, how did the, but how did the, you know, the character get to the, you know, the rocket ship, where did the rocket ship come from? You know, why is there a rocket? And they're like, oh, well, of course, cause the rocket ship, because like the aliens, but wait, there are aliens in this story? Like, and they're like, it's all in their head and it makes perfect sense to them, but they haven't bothered partly because they don't want to do all the writing. Right. But they haven't bothered to tell you that. So yeah, I can see how that would be. So, but I think if you tell a lot of stories and you d- workshop a lot of stories, you mm-hmm. do get a sen- better sense of what background do I need to give people or what do I need mm. to share? What, one yeah. thing I find as an experienced storyteller, I find that when I do find that rhythm or that just that perfect way of getting the story right, I know it's right. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. Um, but I also, on the flip side, know when it's not like that. This story I've wanted to tell now for a little while, but it's it's been a long rambling story, like I told you today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's never been quite enough to just tell it out. I've I, and I haven't had a chance to workshop it yet because yep. the right time hasn't come. But fortunately, being involved in Hong Kong stories, you know that at some point, yes. <laughs> at some point, it's a it will show. show. Up. <laughs> yeah, you're always looking. You'll have your chance. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I think. Um, one of the things if, you know, for the audience who's listening to this, um, 
if you've never been to a workshop before, you might just be thinking you don't have anything to add. Like you mm. might, I think that's a fear that people think, well, I've never done this before. So how am I going to critique anybody's stories? And that's completely false. Like I think mm. you just giving your reaction to the story, whether you're, you've told a lot of stories yourself or you never have is helpful to the person who's trying to craft their story. They want to know how it hits the ear of other people. And one of the things I like about having the tell any story you like and having all those different people show up because you never know who's going to come. It's an open workshop. People sign up. They show up. Is that you get lots of different perspectives on your story. And, um, you know, even just if you don't have – like you don't really want to – like if you're not a really experienced storyteller, you're not going to talk about kind of like the flow or, you know, points of tension or something. You can't do anything technical like that. If you can just say that line really was great, like yeah. I, I, that sticks in my head, that's helpful for someone to hear. Or if you just ask a question like, where were you when that happened? Like it, that moment that at seeking clarification is helpful. You don't have to be an experienced storyteller to be a really good workshop participant. Yeah. As a know? workshop host, I often find myself asking two questions after the first, after the storyteller has told their long rambling first version of the story and say, okay, I want, what did you like about that? And what were you confused about? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And those are the ways of giving feedback that I find are, are, really relevant and particularly useful is yeah. you know, what what didn't make sense well for one thing I never called my nephew by name did I I've just realized like one of the first things we usually say is name yeah, them but yeah I think I mean in that story because mm-hmm. there's not that many characters true mm-hmm. it's not really it, it didn't bother me at all and I, I think <laughs> I, I think I would probably me. call him the nephew rather yeah. than by his real name yeah yeah um but but giving him some kind of strong characterization in that way. Well, yeah, Although, yeah, you and, need a little setup at the beginning mm-hmm. to, like I said, like to talk about how the circumstances under which he came um, and what his kind of why Hong Kong would be a different place for him to come to and that sort of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's pretty good. I'm, right. I've I've got something that I can work on now, sure. and I can go go off and. What I'm going to do now and what I do if we were in a regular workshop, which thank you very much for doing this private workshop. It's super awesome. (laughs) Uh, What I'm going to do now is I'm going to go away and I'm going to write the story down. And I find that writing the story down is is very useful for me. In fact, I found there's very few people in storytelling that can tell their story without writing it. Mm. Um, And I'm going to go and I'm going to write it down and then I'm going to – maybe have a read through it or two. And then I'm probably going to come back to you at some point and say, here's right. the story. What do you think now? What can I do to what, what's, what's missing now? What yeah. needs to change? And again, um, just like my first version, which was long and rambling and <laughs> not very coherent, not very, you know, there's parts when you're falling asleep and other parts where you're like, what? I don't understand. Um, my first version of the writing will also have parts in it that are probably too much. Sure. Or not yeah. enough. Yeah. No, it's – what I often find now interesting is when I write out my first draft, I think, I wonder where this story is going to end up mm. because I know that it's never going to be uh, – the, the final story that I tell on stage is going to be completely – well, going to go in a different direction that I had thought I was going to write it when I first started writing it down. And the, and the good thing about being aware of that is that you, 
uh, let go a little bit when you're writing your first draft mm. and you don't worry about being making it a perfect perfect story about perfecting it you just write down what you've got you know give it your best shot because you know no matter how much time you sweat over that first draft it's still going to be completely different by the time you get yeah. to the fourth or fifth draft so. isn't that a fascinating thing about yeah. the shows like as a show host i love that first first we have a pitch workshop where you come and you say I, i'm i'm interested in telling this story mm. then if you're selected we have rehearsals and I, my favorite is going to that first rehearsal and hearing that story and everybody kind of going, hmm, I wonder why that one was selected. It's not, maybe not that great or maybe not that exciting. All the way through the, all the rehearsals and then you get to that show and they come off the stage and they're, the other storytellers are just gobsmacked time after time about, oh my God, that was amazing. I can't right. believe you told that story. It was so Right. Yeah. And the change that happens there from the beginning to the end of the story is just so beautiful. Yeah. And well, and then what happens with the workshop is that it it was the questions and the feedback from the other people that kind of helped you fill out the pieces that were missing and trim down the bits that didn't need to be there and and find the thread that goes through the story. Yeah. Thanks for listening to today's podcast, and we do hope that you feel more confident in coming to a storytelling workshop or even pitching a story to us online. The music for this podcast was written and performed by Andrew Robert Smith. Everyone, yes, that includes you, everyone has a story to tell. <laughs>